not good enough. We're gonna show you what league's all about. If there's a lesson to be learned, we're handing it out. Good evening and welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. But tonight, Joustas, we have a very special guest, a true Diane of uh, rugby league uh, journalism, as well as, you know, if there's anything written about the Newcastle Knights, it's just purely a rumour until this bloke confirms that we have Barry Tui here with us tonight. Baz, welcome to the Joust. Hello, boys. How are you going? <laughs> Mate, going wonderful. All the better for having you here, Barry. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks for the invite. Pleasure. Uh, it's our pleasure. Now, uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a sour note because uh, we're coming off three losses in a row. Lost to the Titans on the weekend, 26-33. I'm just going to throw it straight to you, Barry. How do you think the game went? Oh, it was a game the Knights should have won. It's pure and simple. They threw it away. I mean, there hasn't been too many games in the last couple of years where we can say that about them. In the last two weeks, they've, or the last three weeks, there have been games that they probably uh, could have won. But particularly on the weekend, they, they didn't not, you know, could have won. They just, a dead set, threw it away. I think that's what made it hurt the most. You know, we're so used to having games where we couldn't win. And now we're getting games where we should win and we don't. It, uh, it, it just makes the, the last few years' pain seem a bit, uh, you know, what has it all been for? Why did we bother? But, uh, yeah, well, the, it, it hurts so much. The expectation's a lot higher now, obviously. Um, that's, in, that's with everyone. So that's why it hurts a bit more because, um, you know, you're going out there thinking, you know, that you're a chance of winning. And at the weekend, um, you finish the game and think, well, how did, they, how did we not win that? Or how did they not win that? Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because that harkens back to a point we were talking about last week. It must be great being a fan of uh, more successful clubs because you just kind of don't worry about these games. Where for us, it's it's such a make or break thing because we've now got these expectations having come from not having them in the past. It's a, oh. I remember last season, I was, so, I was so looking forward to, like, well, the last two seasons, three, you could argue, that I was like, after the flogging and flogging and flogging after every team, no matter where we went, we just copped a flogging. And then I just said, oh, I just want to be competitive again. I just want to see the team, you know, really match it. And I was like, I don't even care about the win. <laughs> I, I was so wrong because I really do care about that win when it's there. Yeah, oh. thank you for that, Nagy. Cheers. Yeah, no, that's hopefully you putting that to the club. I didn't wish any th bad thoughts. But, Liam, what went right for you on the game? Look, a few things. Like Barry said, it's a game we should have won. A few things did go right. We've been discussing over the last few weeks the line speed in defence has not, not been good enough, allowed forwards to get a bit of a leg up. It was much better coming out in the first half, especially. Second half, it kind of dropped off a bit. But the defence seemed to be improved. Um, Connor Watson looked dangerous with the ball. I thought he's kind of starting to find himself. It's a shame that, you know, as we'll discuss in the news later, Liam's gone down because they looked like they were starting to form a bit of a combination with Watson running. And it's just... It's oh, right. We should have won. It's there. It was it's there, to there. Say. There's so many kernels of success in the game. <laughs> yeah. I think Mitch Barnett moving out to the edges. I think he's been good. What do you think about the, uh, the Guerra-Barnett switch? I kind of didn't see it coming, but since it did, I've liked it. Yeah, I think Mitch Barnett's more suited to the edge. And I think Nathan Brown's been wanting to put Guerra in a bit closer for... Well, he did it a couple of weeks ago for the first time. Well, he was talking about it a month before that. So it was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And uh, I think Barnett's been really good the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Guerra makes his 40 tackles. Probably, you know, keeps the, keeps the middle a bit tighter. So not a bad move. Well, it was, it was incredible seeing the numbers and the work where it was getting on the edges, having him in the middle. I think, yeah, like you said, he's going to really shore it up, be a lot more certain of the middle. Well, I think even these 40-odd tackles that he made on the weekend, I think he was tackling at 98% uh, effectiveness. You know, it was crazy. It was uh, He's the kind of guy, I think he controls the ruck better than any other Knights player. 
uh, and it's sad to say that he, he's come from another club to you know to learn <laughs> learn his trade. But he's uh, but you know just giving that time and really slowing down to play the ball to the like he gets pinged occasionally for for laying in there. But I think that's inconsistency on the ref's behalf because uh, <laughs> I think he just he just seems to know the the second just to peel off just the right time. And I think other players you know right at that urgency. Uh, you can get a bit keen to get on, get off, and you, you let them back in the game. Absolutely. And he and Slade have, you know, really kind of set that tempo around the ruck for the Knights. And with the signing of Tim Glasby, we'll cover again in the news later, yeah. I, I just feel like the more players we get from these successful outfits who are, you know, well in tune with what you need to do in the game to get those little things, the more players we can get from those systems, the better, I think. It just leads to instilling a more successful culture in the in the club. Yeah, Terry Barry, you got. <laughs> well, that's, they're the sort of players you need. That, that's, I mean, the, the the team that they've had in the last couple of years have been really inexperienced, so they're looking to bring players from clubs that are successful. And you look at the six or seven players they brought in this year; uh, they've all come from top four, top five clubs in the previous couple of years. So mm. that's an indication they what, they want to bring some guys in that have been there and done that at clubs that have had been successful, and and uh, hopefully. It's taking a while, but hopefully it'll rub off on a few of these young blokes that are here and haven't really had the, the knowledge of how to win a game um, because they haven't won any. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Like, and there's, there's players that have, like, there's 20 queer games and um, and still waiting for, you know, that big that big win moment. I know, like, players like Josh King has sort of was out of, the, out of that side and then he's missed all the first uh, half of the season wins and now he's still coming back in. He's... You know, he's getting those tight losses again. He must feel like, a, you know, what's what's changed? Deja vu all over again, isn't it, Nagy? Yeah. Well, I think Jack Cogger was the Manly game. Jack Cogger's first win and yeah. NRL win. And yeah. he hasn't played. He's probably only played at 10, 9 or 10 first, uh, first grade games. But It looks like he'll be getting a few more under his belt before long too, <laughs> yeah. Well, Liam, I have to ask you if you thought, you know, even though we, a lot went wrong that game. A fair bit. <laughs> especially in that last 20 minutes. But uh, if there yeah. was a player, uh, hats off for this week, Liam? Well, yes. Yeah. Got to give it to Herman. Big Herman, he's been a great signing for us. He's just he was leading from the front. He had to come on early due to uh, Safidi's injury, but um, you know ran for 129 meters. He was only forward to break the 100 meter mark, which, as we've discussed before, is kind of that magic number you want to get as a forward to be injecting yourself. He had 37 post contact, five tackle busts. Uh, keeping in mind, listeners, that our stats, as every week, are brought to us by. That's the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew Hammer. That's our resident stat man, Josh Spiegelman. Josh Spiegelman, great stats as always. He also said to say he loves your work as well. Uh, <laughs> Huge fan. Huge Knows fan. his numbers too. 26 <laughs> tackles and a meat pie, which I believe was forecasted by an avid listener of the show, Brett Crookshank. Good call, Brett. Well done. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so hats off this week for you, Herman. SASA, a man so nice. Got to be Herman. They named him Herman. What about uh, yourself? Oh, he's read my notes. Oh, <laughs> I thought Sonny, I can't read. We, before, <laughs> I'm sure before we kicked off, he said Kalen Pong is going to be his buddy. Hats off. And, I, I'll say that for mine. <laughs> and, and, and I was suggesting to him that I had someone else in mind. And Herman, <laughs> sorry, Barry. Herman was an obvious one. I thought. I thought he was outstanding. He's been a great signing, hasn't he? He's yeah, really he's had, brought he had, what we need a bit more of. I think he's had a couple of off weeks. I reckon he's had defensively. I thought he was pretty average in a couple of games um but i thought he's got a rocket he started off the bench i think didn't he yeah he um, did, yep. and that was the reason why because he got a bit of a rocket and uh he responded which, which shows fantastic. i guess the the positive positive the positives of what nathan brown's trying to do with you know people have been calling for a, a bit more of a a set roster but it seems like brownie's really trying to you know push the you play well 
yeah. and you start. You play poorly, you go off the bench. Seems to have worked really well for Herman. Some other players, I don't think it's taken as well with. But I, I feel like that's kind of the perfect response to being put back to the bench. He well, just came out and did what he had to do and did it well. He's been true to his word, especially um, dropping the likes of you know, Chris Hyington and Jamie Bura, which I don't think, um, especially Bura being co-captain as well. That's a you know, it's a huge drop. Well, he, hasn't, he hasn't dropped Chris Hyington. He's oh, re- he rest, rested. Rested. rested sorry, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's, he's being rested. He hasn't been dropped. Well, he's very well, old. Well, <laughs> he probably needs a lot of rest. That's he's a forty-six years old. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I think he's got twenty years on me, and I need a yeah. nap every single day. I don't know how he does it. He's managing that with training and everything. But I think uh, as far as a player that stood up, I don't think you can go past a certain player that we always like to give hats off to. It's Callum Ponga. The, uh, the perpetual hats off to the Pong. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard not to give it to him. Every week I thought, you know, I, I thought to myself, I, do, I, I don't want to keep giving it to Pong because we've given it to him about five or six weeks now. Uh, and But he's just been a standout. He probably could have got it every week. I don't think he's had a particularly bad game, maybe against the Roosters round three. But um, but even then, the expectation now is so high on the, on the, on the 20-year-old kid that's just come into first grade that we're expecting him not only to play well, but to win us games. Well, I'll step in here and bag him. Oh, excellent, oh, please. Yeah, oh, let's Barry, you I'll, heard it here I'll first. That should be the last time he feeds a scrum. Yep, (laughs) fair call, fair call. I think Billy Peden, the uh, former Knights hooker, would have been turning over in his grave seeing a a hooker actually hook for the ball and lose. When was the last time you saw that? Well, I've never seen anyone put the ball in the scrum in the middle. (laughs) And that's what poor old Kalen did. And obviously he didn't get the memo about how to feed a scrum. You put it behind the lock's foot. There you go. That's why you cheat. That's right. Well, thank you. That is why you cheat. That's probably the first bit of bad uh, bad press, pardon the pun, that uh, that, that Kalen's got. Uh, And I would say this, given the fact that it's a night's feed into a scrum, I'm not sure why Kalen Pong is feeding the scrum and not out out the back line. That was an interesting call. I've seen that a few times over the last few rounds. He's fed the ball and then... It must be to get back to the blind side quickly or something. I'm not too sure. It's a strange one. I'm not too sure either. He definitely did like it, it was a highlight reel um, oh, moment with with him running, you know, 102 meters, whatever it was, like coming out of the out of the in goal with Ken Co. and then, you know, just that broken play that obviously I think most teams now are focusing and saying don't let Kalen Pong get an open play. Well, his highlight reel at the end of the year <laughs> will be about three hours long, and his <laughs> low light reel will be that, that scrum moment. feed. And I'll watch every second of both of them. I'll tell you why. <laughs> He's definitely like he's definitely burst on the scene, and and you know, now we're at the expectation of. I mean, he nearly did like win that game for us. We were two points ahead. It was still tossing and turning, and then uh, to 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 you know miraculously beat three defenders and then sprint away. Um, even though I think they might have only had twelve on the field at that point, they played with so much. Like, I tell you what, the, just to move away slightly from Kalen, but the Titans play with the kind of heart that you, that you'd really hope. Like if I was a Titans fan, I would have been so proud of the Titans that game. Um, Playing most of the, most of the second half with twelve blokes. One point they're playing with eleven, still making great one on one tackles. Um, and I don't know whether the Knights, you know, took the heel off and just, you know, thought, oh well, surely we'll get over here and look like Lockie Fitz was going to get over and there was a great one on one tackle by that centre. I can't remember his name. Dale Copley. Dale Copley. Mm. Um, and so it was, it, it, it was our game. Yeah, as you said, it was our game to win, and we just, we just threw it away. Well, I think actually the the Gold Coast would have been approaching the game as if, you know, this is a game we should win. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they had a lot of belief in that. And I'm sure Garth Brennan, their coach, you know, was, you know, after their loss to Melbourne the week before, and I thought they played really well against Melbourne, they would have come into the game thinking they were a big chance. So they never lost sight of the the end end product in the end, did they? They they never got uh, that far behind. The eight points was as far that they got behind, and and they still thought that they could do it. And you know, 
the Knights gave him a leg up, unfortunately. That, that last that last ten minutes never looked like we were in it. Really, like it was just all we, it was too hard to swing that momentum back. And uh, I think a lot of it was built on the back of Joe Arrow. He was immense for the yeah, Titans. He was, he was absolutely immense. I want to put in my what went wrong column. We let <laughs> Joe Arrow play. We we should have done anything to prevent it. He was enormous. He yeah, was he absolutely came, huge. Came back a week early from injury, didn't he? Yeah, because he was in hospital the week yeah. before. He came out of hospital play. That's a hell of an effort. That's a tough bloke. We got everything at the rub of the green. I thought we couldn't. The like, last couple of games, I think against especially against Penrith. We could think, oh, the referees. But uh, we got every hand I think we could from the referees uh, throughout that game. Um, you know, it's a game that we can talk about as losing, but it's not a game that we can point the finger um, at anyone but, you know, the Knights themselves. It's, uh, and it's unfortunate to say, but, um, you know, to have, I thought we were lucky not to have a player sent to the bin under the same, you know, way that, that they had two players sent to the bin. Um, and the way they're using that bin now, you can't do anything without, you know, to come off in the second half. Uh, brand new second half kickoff, and then the first infringement. There was no warning. It was just you gone. It was like the carryover points of the first half, which is which is new, <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> like, new concept. I think everyone was like, you know, I was happy, but I was also like, well, that's you know, that's bold. <laughs> well, I, to be fair though, I don't think just because there's half time means that the the warning before half time negates it. That's true. No, no, um, I, it's I, I completely agree, but I'm surprised I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a weekend for the bin too. But to be oh, fair, yeah. while saying the Knights did win, uh, should have won, yeah. there was still a few things that went wrong. I think the forwards just didn't step up. As we mentioned before, Herman was the only forward to get over 100 metres. I just, I don't know, it looked like we were running really well, but when you look at the numbers, the forwards just weren't doing the work that we kind of expected of them. Mm. The well, Titans, I think, out, outran us by about 1,500 metres, 1,300, which it looked like a more evenly matched contest than it ended up being. Yeah. Well, as far as, especially on the forwards, my hat's back on to a player that I thought didn't really stand up, only because right through the week he was talking about how this game was going to be his game and he was going to play himself back into form and get angry, uh, was uh, Daniel Safiti. And, you know, obviously key moments uh, in, the, in these games, you can't blame a bloke for dropping the ball, but he literally dropped the ball with no contact. And it's, and for, for someone to talk himself up and say, like, you know, I'm going to take more ownership over this forward pack. Uh, and then silly error, which ended up swinging the momentum back right when we didn't need it and missing the tackle. Uh, in in their in their following try, uh, that's my hats back on Daniel Safedi, and I, I hate to say it too because we lost with the other Safedi too. We did, yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're currently down on Safedis. Do you have anyone particularly, Barry, for a hats back on? I haven't checked your notes this time. Right <laughs> well, I'm going to stick up for Dan Safedi. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Nice. We like that. Inexcusable the error, yeah, mind yeah, you, yeah. and that was the, the second one in two games. Yeah, exactly the same or similar error as you mentioned. This one wasn't even contact. This was just. He took his eyes off the ball from the kickoff, and it was a crucial time in the game. They just Ponga had just scored. They were eight in front. They get the get to the kick at the end of that set, and who knows what happens up the other end. And you know, there's the game. There was still, I think, 20 minutes to go, but it was a, a big turning point in the game. But uh, Dan Safidi, in an interview he did in the Newcastle Herald with uh, with me during the week, and that's the article you were referring to. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he basically said that he hasn't been playing well. He's gone backwards since last year and he needed to lift his game. I don't think it was a, a, a war cry from him to say, look, this is what I'm going to do this week, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I actually thought he didn't play too, too badly. His numbers weren't great. I think he was just under 100 metres. But I thought he took the ball up pretty strongly. Um, he's looking for a bit of confidence. And that's probably not going to do him the world of good dropping the ball when he did. But and and he copped it from the coach, and that's fair enough. But uh, I still think that from an effort point of view, I thought his effort was pretty good. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, he, he wants to improve because of his form last year. It's easy to forget how young he is. He's 
he had a breakout season yeah, last tw- year. He's 22. But he's still only 22. And he's he can, coming off a shoulder recon. Yeah, he can hardly so, be expected to keep those elite numbers up at yeah. his age so far. And I reckon if you look at his season last year, the back half of his season was when he really played really well. Um, so give him a little bit more time. He knows he's got work to do. He knows he's not performing like he should be. But, um, yeah, I think he'll be all right. Oh, we love our Twin Towers here, the Safidis. Yeah, absolutely. I want Some to of him, our favourites. Yeah, we want to see him back in that side. Uh, and, spe- and now, especially that Jacob's, um, you know, made his way back in that side. That's it. Do we and think Dan like- can play for two Safidis? <laughs> yeah. well, he's just got to play for one at the yeah. moment. Just right? play for one. Because I was yeah. going to say, those jerseys are hard to get off. So it yeah. might take a bit if he's Wearing going off the field, switching it off, getting <laughs> the other one on. I don't think he could do it. So we, don't, we won't put that on him. We yeah. won't put that on. No, but did you think it was a player maybe that uh, didn't live up to your expectations, Baz? Oh, I'm just trying to think. Um, look, there, I just think there was a few errors here and there, you know, um, from players at crucial times. Same as what has happened in the last three or four. It's not like a player I thought played terrible. Yeah. Um, just lapses. Um, you look at certain things in the game and missed tackles here, um, that sort of thing. I don't think there was anyone that played really poorly. Obviously, Denny Levi didn't get a lot of time. I, didn't, I don't know how much time Denny Levi got, but I he think did. he got thirty minutes. But thirty-three oh, minutes, okay. yeah. But it's uh, he didn't. It was I only think, one run, I think. Yeah, there. yeah. I think he came. I think he got a lot of his minutes in that in the sort of back end of the second half where um, we just didn't see any of the ball yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I expected him to, to be running right, but maybe he didn't get on quick as quick as he thought he would. You know, uh, it's obviously hindsight's a beautiful thing when you're sitting in a garage, but it's, uh, it's you know, it, it, whether he got on earlier and maybe could have done some more. But I think even Slade Griffin uh, had quite a few runs. I think Slade he, had a few runs. I think it was uh, seven runs for 55 metres. Thank you, Hammer. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he's starting to introduce a bit more running into his game, which I really like. It was an- Towards the start of the year, it was very much the controlling hooker, you know, feeding the ball to the to the forwards, then onto the backs. But he seems like he's introducing the little snipe into his game, which I love. I think it's great. I think it was it was good to see him uh, uh, put um, Herman Sasa over, uh, and it was nice to hold the ball. You know, it was like that, and the sniping out, just you know, attracting those defenders, asking the question, and then and then putting him over. That was a planned move too, by the way. Oh, they, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. They've been practicing that a little bit. I think they saw that there was a. Might be an opportunity for that move, and she certainly opened up for him, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's Untouched. it. It looked like Herman had about a 30-metre run-up. He had a head of steam like I've never seen before. Well, I think I think both paths might have been outside, and Ponga may have been outside there, so I think a few defenders were looking to see where the threats were coming, and they didn't forgot all about Herman. Ah, so you so think it's that uh, that game plan, get the defence to stick on Ponga and then give the correct. ball elsewhere. Correct. Yeah. Well, it definitely attracts a, a lot of attention these days, but still managed Especially to from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Romantic and otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 12, uh, 12 tackle breaks again is crazy. You know, for he just seems to. He must just be strong. Pong strong. Pong uh, strong. From, Hashtag <laughs> pong strong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Feel free to use that one. Um, yeah, but listening to the Fox commentators talk about him, it's amazing his his strength in the in the contact. Yeah, he. He's coming up against much bigger men with mm. much more experience, and yet he always seems to break the first tackle. Yeah. And he's balanced. Oh, at least poke his nose through as well. I yeah. don't know. He just well, seems it's, to- foot, it's footwork. Yeah. It's, he, he's strong. There's no risk about that because yeah. he seems to be able to pull out of tackles. But I think his footwork gets him into 
positions where defenders haven't really got him, or they think they might have him, and they haven't really got him. So, but he's uh, he's hard to tackle. He's no a wonder. That. That's incredible. He's he cre- wax lyrical every week, and I shall never stop. <laughs> it's creeping up. Long live the pong. Another player that did uh, stand up only in retrospect, looking at uh, um, someone that's come up with a fractured cheekbone, is our very own Brock Lamb, um, who that was still at least 15, 20 minutes left to play. Um, you saw him fall down under the hip of a player um, in a, during a tackle, and and you know. Fractured cheekbone. That you know. Have Have you ever fractured your cheekbone, Lamb? And you're no. Not maybe leaving Fanny's nightclub at uh, two in the morning. But it's like no, never it, have I ever. When you cop a knock to the face, you know, it, you know, the swelling builds up. You can you can hear your pulse pulsating through your face. Yeah, I've been hit in the head a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've never fractured a cheekbone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, it was amazing that he that he did have the courage to stay on because he could have easily just thrown the hand up and said no. But it, look, you know, that was the kind of guts I think everyone's wanting to see from Brock Lamb. And I think he showed that all game. We said especially early in the game, the Titans really targeted him. A uh, lot of kick pressure, a few really well executed borderline hits as soon as he got the ball away, which I couldn't be mad about. I wanted to yell, oh, he's late, but no, they actually timed their runs on him very, very, very well. Mm. And so he had a lot of pressure on him, but I thought he still had a decent game. There was a few sniffs of a run, uh, little things here and there, but it's a shame that he's out because I thought he was starting to hit his straps. A yeah, bit. well, he was looking for a bit of confidence, wasn't he? And mm. I, I agree with you. I think... He'd improved, no risk about that. And um, obviously, a new partner, a new five-eight partner as well. The last couple of weeks, so it's just disappointing now that um, he's back on the sidelines again. The merry-go-round of harms again. Merry-go-round goes around once more. Merry-go-round, funnily enough, is our word of the week. Oh, you, fit the Mary wrong, you, fit, you fit the wrong button there, Liam. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely uh, look. It, it was. An exciting game is probably the wrong word to say, uh, but there was a lot happening. Uh, obviously, in scoring 26 points, you hopefully don't want to lose those games. Um, but uh, the Titans did everything uh, in their power to win it back, and they controlled the game well towards the back end. Uh, but speaking of the back end, this is the back end of the first half, and we'll be right back for the second half, so stick around. Beauty. All right. <coughs> Welcome right back to the Joust for the second half. We're here with Barry Tui as a special guest. Liam, we have a bit of a giveaway. We do, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Joust, and you could be attending the Commonwealth Hotel for Moorish Mondays in this beautiful Henny Penny Newcastle jersey. Where the, yeah, yeah, that's great. Henny Penny. What season was that? Uh, I think it was before 97, but I feel like everyone it thinks it's 97. It was 97 because 97 was BP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of the favourites, yeah. you know, uh, and also the favourite establishments, Henny Penny in, in Newcastle. It's a wonderful restaurant. And I'll tell you, another wonderful restaurant is attached to that Commonwealth Hotel. The Commonwealth Hotel Bistro there. I know I'll, I'll be going tonight for Moorish oh, Mondays. I'm in for dinner. Oh, we're all in. Barry, you want to come along for dinner? I've got mine ready at home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> we better shuffle along. It's a good place, though. Good it, place at Commonwealth Hotel. A great I, pub. I, I, I've, it's a fantastic venue. Now, that we've covered that. Now, we have a, we have a signing uh, that we need to talk about. Very very special signing. Barry, do you want to walk us through this one? Well, you're talking about Tim Glasby. We're talking about Tim Glasby, yeah. <laughs> Origin legend, Timothy Glasby. <laughs> yeah, well, he's come on board for three years. Um, signed late last week. So... Good signing for the Knights. He's a, obviously a Queensland Origin player. He played the last two games of last last season. Uh, I think he's played 94, 95 NRL games for, for Melbourne. Um, come out of a great system, obviously. Look at um, how well Slade Griffin's going. He was you know, a bit of a bench player, sort of a backup down there, and he's um, established himself here. So this bloke's a good player, good uh, good front rower. Not a, I wouldn't call him a dynamic ball runner or anything like that but he's uh he's a good player and he'll be a you know we wish we had him now probably that would be nice yeah but yeah great signing i think again like we said earlier the more players we can bring in from successful clubs with 
excellent structures. I think it's only going to benefit the Knights and just quietly, very good signing. Melbourne just does some great things with their front rowers. Some little things. They, they really sort of, I think, reduce, like really narrow their, their work, um, you know, where they really, their effort areas, I think as we've talked about before. But to bring some players uh, out of, like they really roll the die with a few players. Players like uh, like what was that? Um, that the guy Hunt? No, what was his name the the, the big fella? The big fella, yeah. Sam Cassiano. No, no, yeah, Sam Cassiano is a great example of it. Sam Cassiano went down there, obviously stepping up in form, playing well. But they did with Jason Riles, Adam Walno, a Knights alumni, Daniel uh, Abraham as well. Went down there and broke his leg again. But that's my that's my one concern about the Glasby signing. He might be you know one of the Bellamy masterstrokes where he takes a. I guess somewhat average forward and turns him into a superstar. I remember Todd Lowry was a, you know, a game winner and a. I think he won a premiership at Melbourne. He Bellamy has this great gift of bringing in forwards who maybe aren't as good as other forwards in the NRL but and them, yeah. t- turning them into these excellent role players. I don't think Glasby will um, have that effect, but it just worries me knowing how good Bellamy is with forwards who are often unheralded at other clubs. I just worry that that's going to be the case. He'll leave Melbourne and we'll realise, oh, he's not very good. Hopefully that's not but, the case. But uh, well, I don't think it is. Well, he did play Origin. Well, he is an Origin player, yeah. isn't, isn't he? Yeah, well, yeah so. you can't get by. And, good point. Uh, and the last two Origin games when they did that sort of facelift on the whole side, oh, which yeah. is, uh, which is you know... I still haven't recovered. Oh, no. Well, if you remember rightly, I think... Um, might have been the Daily Telly, was it? They used to work for. I think, I'm pretty sure they had the headline on the back page: Tim Who. They did. Oh right, yeah. And no. he came in. Well, we know who he is now. Yeah, we abs- do absolutely, and I'm sure he's going to be a fan favourite straight off the mark. Oh, absolutely. Speaking a little bit closer to uh, rather than right down in the future, there for the next season, we've got plenty more of this season to, to play. And this season, we've got a game against the Sharks this weekend. Uh, Liam, do you have the details there? We do, as usual. Our stats brought to you by uh, the Hammer, our dear friend down at. Uh, Wherever Where does he work? Wherever he is. Oh, he's Sydney. Down, Somewhere down in Sydney. Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Sharks have been a funny one this year. They started out a bit rough. They seem to have been chopping and changing their lineup, but the last few weeks have fallen back into that classic Sharks grind that won them the 2016 Grand Final. They've really been grinding games out. They've been close games. Some cases, they've been ugly games. And I think we've really got to worry about the Sharks this week. Um, a few danger men we've got to look out for. Fafita is almost in career-best form, which is saying something given the form he's been showing in the last few years. But the way he's played with, um, I think it was Gallen, Lewis, and Wade Graham out, he's just lifted their forward pack. Last week ran for 169 metres. 61 of those were post-contact. Four tackle busts. He averages 3.2 per game. He's just been dynamic. He's been unbelievable. And Gal, coming back, I think he averaged 100... uh, Sorry, ran for 149 metres. 58 of them post-contact. Their forwards are really building them a good platform that even though their back line has been a bit disjointed, they can still get it done. They can still finish a game really strong, which I think can be one of Newcastle's weaknesses. We can be ground out of a game. Yeah, well, we can we can lose a game lots of ways, really. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> and that's but, one of them. <laughs> but that's one of them. That's uh, But obviously the Sharks, obviously not that long ago, 60, putting 62 points on us. I think that scarred all Newcastle Knights fans. But Baz, I have to ask you, coming coming in, this could this is our, you know, we've lost three in the trot. Uh, we've, got, we've got some injuries in, in key positions being Brock Lamb and and uh, Jacob Safidi now, but obviously still resting um, the injury of Mitchell Pearce. Where, th- where do you see the change-up? Do you think we can actually get the win against the Sharks? Oh, it's going to be difficult. I yeah. think they're coming off five straight wins, the Sharks. I think uh, their win yesterday against the Bulldogs was their fifth in a row. So, And they've had a lot of uh, injury, as you mentioned. Um, so they've ridden that and they've had enough backup, obviously, to, to ride that. So, look, um, I presume... Cogger will come in for, for Lamb. Uh, Heinington will probably come in for Safidi, and I couldn't see them making any more changes than that. 
I don't think there's anyone else that's really um, pushing a barrow for, for first grade. So it'll be a pretty similar lineup with a new halfback. Look, they're just going to have to play a hell of a lot better than they played at the weekend, obviously, to, to knock over the Sharks, who, as you say, they, they grind teams out and they don't give you anything. And, you know, they're defensively they've been pretty good the last five or six weeks. Um, I, I still don't think they're the, the greatest attacking team going around. Obviously, Valentine Holmes the last few weeks has been really good for them. Um, and you mentioned Fafita, um, who's been outstanding. Um, he's had a great season, Fafita, and he's really stepped up when those guys were out so look it's it's going to be a, a massive ask at home it is at home and it is on a sunday so we'll, the knights will get a massive crowd um and that'll help but um i won't be tipping the knights unfortunately <laughs> i don't think either of us will either which will be the first time i've tipped against us this year i think well i i probably won't either but also I'm not a very good tip well neither <laughs> neither of us are, are good tippers i think at the commonwealth hotel i think i'm running about 75th and i think you might be hanging in the 60s there liam i'm in the very very high 60s the, the reason that i don't know anyone, teetering on the low 70s i don't see any reason why you should listen to us about rugby league whatsoever. out of 77 well, like, yeah. to be honest with you I, we're, i'm in the tipping competition in the newcastle herald and we've got a dog in the tipping corner, who's yep. the underdog. Yeah. And, for, for the, and the underdog takes all the outsiders. And for the first eight weeks of the competition, I was behind the underdog. <laughs> so I'm not going to be talking about anyone's tipping Now prowess. the tipping skills of animals are nothing to be sniffed at. We all remember the octopus from the Soccer World Cup. Yeah. Do we? Do we all remember that? Remember yes. that? Well, he yes. chooses the thing. Yeah. There you go. So there's something they don't. They know that we don't, I think. Yeah, well, the underdog's coming last now. I'm, I'm, I've, ju- <laughs> I've jumped above the underdog in the last couple of weeks, so I'm no, happy about that. Good to hear. Another danger man, actually, which yep. is a bit bittersweet for Knights fans, is uh, Jesse Ramian, our signing for next year. He ran for 100 metres last week, six tackle busts, a line break, 20 tackles at 80%. He's averaging 2.4 tackle busts a game. 95 metres run and 0.5 line breaks a game. So I think that's an area we really needed a bit of spark in. And this will be a very good uh, very good audition for uh, Jesse Ramian in front of the home crowd. Actually made his debut against the Knights last year and scored a try at the stadium. Oh, damn it. So, <laughs> so um, Well, yeah. a second debut, a second sort yeah. of like, uh, now that we know we've got him. Uh, he can, it would be such a bittersweet. It was like when Kalen Ponga scored a try against us in the, in the Cowboys match last year. It would just be like, well, we're happy that we've signed him, but we're really unhappy that he's playing now. It's like if he plays for Queensland, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I sort of want to be hitting, but also don't hit him too hard. <laughs> but we, well, we don't want him to play for Queensland. Let's, oh, no, no. Let's no, be no, honest. No. Yes. Oh, Give him time. And, and not because of the reason we don't want him playing against <laughs> New South Wales. We, we want him fit and healthy for the night. That's it. I don't That's want him so. missing games in the no. red and blue. I yeah. thought Brandy did a really good way a few weeks ago when they start, when the origin talk started around Ponga. And then instead of saying, like, I don't think he's ready, it's like, just see, Queensland's always uh, chosen a, a really good time to choose these players. And if so, they choose that he's ready this year and, you know, doesn't deserve another year in the NRL, uh, you know, uh, good on him. Like, in that sort of, even <laughs> that, like, he doesn't want to say, "Don't pick him, please, don't pick him." He's keeping this side alive, but um, at the same time, you can you can see that's it. You know they get it. He kept it classy. You kept know they get a ten thousand dollar fine for speaking out against the refs. Do you reckon if Brownie's come out and said, "Please don't pick him, please," ten ten grand fine from the club? Oh uh, well, uh, maybe not from the club. Well, he's, not telling, he's not telling the referees, not <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone's got to find him. It's only the referees, isn't it? Well, apparently, yeah. But you can say anything about anyone, but not the referees. Not the referee. You can say anything you want about Wayne. My only concern <laughs> about Jesse Remian is yeah. that we give him the Knights treatment. I think a few of us may remember just after Trent Hodkinson had signed for the Knights, uh, they played the last round. He played the last round for the Bulldogs at Marathon Stadium, oh, and twist, yeah. Tarek Sims made it his personal mission to. 
basically break Trent in half. Yeah. And he ended up missing the first half, half dozen didn't games have, of the season. Didn't have a preseason because he did yeah. his wrist. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I'm just hoping we don't do the same to Jesse Ramion. Baz, I've got to ask you, in the whole time that you've um, been around, especially the Knights club and all, all the coaches that have come in and out of that side, where do you see uh, the current uh, sort of coaching staff and administration as far as... Uh, you know, to deal with personally and as well, just um, as, uh, for, we always talk about this long-term plan. Do you, does that reflect back uh, in, a, in a person-to-person basis? Do you, do you see them as a, a sort of, when fronting the media, as that sort of confident, uh, confident professional that he sort of um, makes out to be? Well, um, yeah, I do actually. I, I think that their, their plan has been pretty obvious. When they've, when they've come in, the, the salary cap was in a pretty ordinary state. Well, it was in a terrible state, not a pretty ordinary state. And people have got to remember at the moment, and I'll t- we'll talk about it in a minute, but getting back to your question about Brownie, you're talking about Brownie and, and Darren Mooney, obviously. Yep. Um, well, it's the first time in, in the Knights' history that basically the coach has not been in charge of the salary cap. Right, for okay. One, for one thing. Um, and that's why the salary cap was probably in the situation that it was in uh, mm. when Brown took over. Darren Mooney's come in, appointed by the club, um, and... Nathan Brown basically will discuss signings with or potential signings with Darren Mooney and tell him that, yeah, this bloke would be good or that bloke would be good. But it's up to Darren Mooney then to decide whether, okay, we can afford to pay pay for him for a start or, you know, whether he's worthwhile or whether he fits into the actual roster. Um, so that's been taken out of the hands of, of the coach, um, which I'm sure like the likes of the Bulldogs and Manly uh, they'd be wishing that was <laughs> <Yes>. the case <laughs> in their joints at the moment where their salary caps are absolute messes because the coaches have come in thinking, okay, well, we'll back, back end a whole heap of contracts and I'll get some success and then I'll take off and the next bloke comes in, he, he can deal with it. Well, so <laughs> anyone after Des, is that yeah. what you're saying? Basically, <laughs> yes. Basically, in both joints. Both exactly joints, right. Yeah. So, look, um, that's where it sits at the moment. Um, as far as the plan goes, there's a plan there. We all know about the plan. We all know about having to sit around and wait a little bit longer and all that sort of stuff. But it's getting to the stage now where Knights fans have been very patient for a long while. So, And that's why results like the weekend hurt Knights fans as much as they do because you know, you've know you got in, into a situation now where you know, you've got some players there that can do a job and, and unfortunately you know they stuffed it up at the weekend. But um, as far as the cap situation at the moment is, and, and Knights fans should remember this, um, Newcastle's, I, w- I would imagine at the moment, Newcastle is operating off a cap that's probably 2.5, a little bit more million less than some of the other clubs. And the reason I say wow. that, the reason I say that is because they've underspent over a million for this year. And obviously you've got Mitchell Pearce on the sideline, you've got Moga on the sideline. So you're looking at um, at least 2.5 million less available players <coughs> than what the leading clubs have got, which makes a massive difference. I mean, you're talking about two, three or four marquee signings, basically, um, less than what some of the other clubs have got. So that's, and, and that's a situation that the Knights have got themselves in. They know um, why they've done it, because the players haven't been available. They're waiting for the right players to come along. And when they do come along, they'll spend the money until they do. Um, they'll they'll you know sit on their hands and um, and if they've you know if they want to be under the cap again next year because they the right players not there they will but eventually um, there'll be some players come on the market that the Knights will have a lot of money for that other clubs won't 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Barry, because it, it seems to be ever since uh, Pierce got injured, now Lamb's got injured, Knights fans are immediately immediately clamoring for, oh, let's sign Carney, let's grab any half, let's grab anyone who's basically on the market and available. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't fit into no. Brownie and Moon's plan at any point in time. There's been no, nothing from them that would indicate that's the kind of signing they'd make. They're not going to go out splashed on one guy who'll fill in for a few weeks just so we can, you know, maybe get close to some wins when we've already got, you know, halves on the books. And yeah, then like you said, that's cap money that we won't have say, next year when someone huge comes on the market and we can make a massive play for. So, I love Browns and Moons. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not... They're not um, they won't sign... Put it this way, they won't sign anyone before June 30 that they don't think should be should not be here next year. Right. Which means that if, if um, you know, whoever comes on the market, an average player that might fill a hole for them for the rest of the year, that they won't worry about doing it because they'll, they'll think to themselves, well, if, if he's not if he's not good enough to be here the next year, the following year or the year after that, then we're not bringing him bringing him in for the the quick fix which is hard i guess in a results driven game it's hard for the fans to stay stay cognizant of that i which there was a great interview um ivan cleary on nrl 360 where he in great detail outlined the rebuilding process of a club to paul kent and ben eichen and you know he said by year three that's when you start seeing results and it's like well we've been through the one we've been through the two we're in year three we're starting to see results they're not you know, the best results, we're not on top of the comp, but we're seeing results. We've already won as many games as we did last year. That, I'd argue, is a huge success. Nailing that number in the first third of the season. You know, we're starting to get players interested in the club. It's all trending positively. Maybe it's not translating on the field quite yet, but in terms of how long it takes a club to rebuild, how much work goes into it, and the whole entire roster turnaround, it's, I think fans need to... Just remember that it is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. Baz, where do you see this? Obviously, being around the club for such a long time and seeing different uh, coaches come in with their different rebuilds. Uh, I can remember back uh, after Hagen with the Brian Smith rebuild, which was done pretty much in one season, uh, and it was a real clean out um, uh, of a lot of players that were, you know, that were like, that were seen as like real knights, you know, um, real stayers at the club, uh, and. You know, where does this rate on, on rebuilds as far as, you know, do you really think this is going to, do you think this is going to be another um, fall to pieces and, you know, Brown gets a sack and then we get another coach, you know, or do you really think this is going to be a stayer? No, this will be a stayer. Yep. I think it'll be a stayer. Look, Brownie's going to come under some pressure eventually, obviously, um, but he's not under that much pressure at the moment. He's He's got the pressure on the players to perform, but, um, you know, when the season kicked off, before before the weekend's game, if the season had kicked off and you'd have told me, for example, that okay, the Knights will be five and five after, or at one stage they were five and eight, yeah, yeah, mm. um, you would have been jumping for joy, yeah. Because absolutely. I looked at the draw at the start of the year and thought, well, they could be one from eight or one from nine, and had all those away games. It's a rough start, but all that did was increase the expe- expectation on the team, and then you lose Pierce, uh, who's been a massive loss. Because um, he's but he just runs the show basically and has done from the start time he got here, um, so people are, you know it's the expectation that's causing the, a little bit of drama. But um, you know it, it, it's not going to knock them from what they think is the right path, and the right path for them is to okay we've just got to do this gradually and make sure we bring the right players in, and when when the right players are available, we'll make sure they get them. And Look, Jared Wallace is a perfect example of that. That he, that Jared Wallace, was keen to come to Newcastle, and he was in town last week. Um, the the Titans had a 
three-year deal on the table. They wanted him to accept. The Knights offered him three. And the Titans came back with an extra one. If the Knights have gone for the extra year, probably they would have got Jared Wallace. But they weren't convinced that, you know, and he, he's an origin player, 26-year-old. They weren't convinced that that um, down the track he was going to be the right person for that amount of money. We're talking probably 700 a year, just about. 700,000. So, um they didn't. They dropped dropped off. Stuck to the guns. Stuck and to the guns, even though they're desperate for front rowers. And I think we've been guilty of that in uh, in previous years, especially around that you know the Brian Smith area, the Wayne Bennett area, is just that throw the cash, get them now. Well, they were they were looking <coughs> for instant results. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, no. that was the difference. They were looking for instant results. Brian Smith got rid of what he have seventeen players or whatever it was that first year, but he also dismantled the junior system and brought in a whole heap of kids from. Uh, Auckland, New Zealand, yeah. and into the 18s, and and that sort of upset the apple cart down below as well. And and basically, by the time he'd left, the joint wasn't great either, was it? And Wayne was brought here to win premierships. In defence of Wayne, he was brought here to win premierships, and we want him now. Tinkler wanted him straight away, so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't thinking long term either. And no. and obviously, by the time he left, well, the place was in a bit of a shambles. That's it. And a lot of people do forget that uh, Wayne got... He got us within one game of a grand final. Yeah, well, a lot of people... I for- myself forget that very regularly. And it, well, they finished seventh. Seventh, yeah. It was and a- they got to with one game on the back of Bedsy. Yeah, yeah, it was... Bedsy finishing up and all of a sudden it was, you know, it was just the last game for Bedsy and... They won two games. I think they beat the Bulldogs in that Smashed first week. Smashed the Bulldogs, I think it was 29 And then they went down to Melbourne, yeah. and I was in Melbourne for that game. That was uh, fantastic. That was probably my last, like, really, I don't know. Like, I was watching at the Dell, of all places, and I was... It was uh, the last time you felt happiness, wasn't it, Maggie? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was crazy. It was, like, the whole place was ecstatic, and you can tell, like, it was, you know, anything could have gone. You could have flipped a table in that joint. No one would have cared. Uh, around 2013, beating the Storm. I was watching, watching it at the Fire Station Hotel. Uh, Adam Walsh was working there at the time, and it was me and three regulars all just pounding beers in the main bar because no one else was there. It was brilliant. It was a wonderful. Well, that, that's the thing, though. They finished seventh and won two games, and were, as you say, a game short of the. And that's what can happen. You get yourself into the playoffs, and um, anything can happen once you get there. That's time, it. Time you run. Well, it's yeah. funny you say. You know, all the fans they have expectations, but. It's like I always say, expect in one hand and shit in the other one, see which fills up first. Well, look at the Cowboys. You talk about teams, the Cowboys oh. were sitting there <laughs> thinking about Mad Monday, St. George playing, I think, the Dogs in the last round. St. George win, they're in the playoffs. The Cowboys are out. Of course, the Dogs are boil over, scored at the death, and the Cowboys got in and made it to the grand final. So, Just hey, got to be around that conversation. somewhere yeah. close. Yeah. Which is, I think, given my um, initial prediction of the season... I've readjusted. I think anywhere in that log jam, that kind of seventh to twelfth, that I is where I see the Knights, and yep. that all come playoff time. That's the only thing you have to do is be in in the conversation, in there. yeah, in there, and that'll right be around. considered a successful year as far as I'm concerned from the Newcastle Knights. Liam, do you have the time? I do, Nagy. I think it's time for the news. <laughs> That's right, the news then. We've got lots of news this week, Liam. Uh, what's the first one off the... Uh, first one off the bat oh. now. This has been a contentious one. The world's been blowing up about this. Everyone from all corners of the globe. <laughs> Dylan Napa yeah. using his head as some sort of battering ram. Elliot, can we bring that video up, please? It's, uh, it's a very strange one. I don't think I've really seen it before. And it's not great to look at, but uh, it, it's just divided opinion... 
more than I think any tackling style I've ever seen in my life, including going back to the days of the spear tackle. Well, I have to, I have to, you know, say let's say that Dylan Harper doesn't remain standing here and he drops to his drops to his guts as well, and he's on the on the deck. Does he still get binned for that? Baz, what are you, what are your thoughts on the tackle? Well, obviously it was legal because he didn't uh, he got binned for it, but they didn't um, charge him. So the, the NRL thinks it's legal. Uh, Corbin Sims has got a broken jaw. Um, so north of the border, they don't think it was legal. Um, they think it was illegal and should have went to the judiciary. It was but, reckless, um, I guess, losing the head or... Well, he had his arms there somewhere I'd, and, and he sort of ducked into it. It's yeah, it's one of those ones, I suppose, you can duck into a tackle anyway. But um, And they say that Corbin sort of shifted right at the death, which meant that their heads collided. It's, it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous, I, I, you know. His, his head certainly hit Corbin's head before his arms wrapped around him. So you could argue that he led with his head. Liam, you've had more head knocks than hot dinners. What are your thoughts on the head knock there? You think that was reckless or, do you, or can you remember the clip can we just watched? Can you go back to the start of the question, please? <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people shifted the blame onto Corbin Sims for, you know, late footwork at the line. But mm. as far as every other, say, reckless or careless tackle you see go to the judiciary, the duty of care remains upon the player making the tackle. The onus is on the player making the tackle to not make the contact. Even if it's, you know, incidental, accidental contact with the head. We saw with Sam Burgess against Canberra, you know, swinging arm to Aiden Caesar. Yes, it was reckless. Yes, it was careless. He got a few weeks and no one really said, oh, but Caesar was falling. It was, well, no, Sam Burgess stuck his arm out and swung it at his head. Whereas in this case, no one's saying, well, Dylan Napa stuck his head out and ran with it. And it, it's an interesting style. And if you watch Dylan Napa over the last season or two, he does defend like that. And it is a very, very... All or nothing sort of All attack. or nothing defensive yeah. style. If he makes that hit... It's huge. It's huge. It's the hit of the season. But you then run that risk of if you miss that hit, it's so it's you, a it's an all or nothing, like you said, Nag. Careless, would you say? Possibly a careless act of. Uh, I would say reckless. You say reckless. I don't know the difference. Well, you know, re- reckless is, is a bit worse. Is than... Reckless is worse. Worse than okay. careless. Yes. Intent. Oh, is careless. The, then I think. Yeah. yeah, careless. I I'd go with careless, but on the the higher end of careless. Okay, <laughs> careless grade something else. He, but, but he gets charged in your book, doesn't he? In my book, he gets charged. Yeah. And also, probably sat down by his coach and said, "Look, you need to reevaluate your style because." Teams yeah, are now, yeah. now that they've seen this, they're going to put footwork on you as they hit the line and you're going to headbutt them every time. And you're going to spend a lot of time on the sideline. Also, it's... It's a tough one. He's going to break his own neck doing that eventually. I think well, the duty I, I, of yeah. care comes back why, to him. Why to, do you lead with your head when you're defending? I'm not sure why you well, lead like, with your head. But at, look, I think it was accidental. I think the, mm. the contact was accidental and... I mean, you can duck your head into a tackle to make a tackle anywhere and the fact that it's hit Corbin in the head... Um, I don't know. It's one of those. And as I say, they didn't charge him. So obviously the league at the moment thinks that it's um, okay. It was fine. Interesting. Something else in the news. Speaking of charging and violence, we've got (laughs) the punchies. Elliot, can we bring up the punchies? It was good to see uh, finally back in the game. Uh, Well, not so good to see, but uh, definitely after being starved. I thought it was great to see. (laughs) Being starved for the last four years. And, you know, we see a lot more. I could actually see the lead-up to this. So it was was a try? Well, the lead-up was very nondescript. It was simply a knockdown ball. And then, and they're into it. Well, this is where Dylan Walker led with his head. <laughs> <laughs> led with his head onto the fist. Yes. Again, reckless or careless, leading with the head onto the fist. What do we say? Well, stupidity is what it is. <laughs> well, look, look, he's got an absolute shiner uh, on him there, and he and he ends up uh, 
he, he could he's got a fractured cheekbone. He could possibly be out for for an extended period. But six uh, weeks, I believe. Curtis Scott um, receiving two weeks for the early guilty plea. Do you think that's do you think it's a two week fine, or do you think this is almost encouraging of uh, players to get back involved in melees? Well. I would have given him more than two, I reckon. I reckon probably three or four. We well, remember the Danny Williams uh, was compared online. I think it's... Uh, as, uh, it was Butts. compared to the Danny Williams punch? Yeah, yeah, because it was 18 what? weeks and two weeks. But I think as Isaac Butterfield uh, posted recently, is comparing uh, bananas to um, to bandanas. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> which, is, uh, which I've never heard before, but I like. <laughs> no, I like That's a good thing. But, uh, but yeah, it was... You know, obviously, I think, I think it's somewhere more than two, surely, for... You know, after well, yeah. He is the biggest ledger in the game, mind you. Dylan That's Walker. it. I... Dylan Walker. Yeah, and Dylan I... Walker actually put something on Instagram last night to basically say, well, you know, when you talk, you know, crap. Talk, talk shit, you get hit or something yeah, like that. That's yeah. exactly what he said. He yeah. did exactly on it, yeah. And Which, i got to give him credit for uh, Amy Abbott saying, yeah, I got punched, but uh, yeah. I deserved it. Yeah. And the other bloke that got sin bin as well, um, Corus Yeah, he, yeah. He, he copped a week, hasn't he? He's, He's copped, copped a week, I believe, for well, third man in haymaking. Yeah, well, he his was a bit of a dog shot, I would have thought, because it was. at least with Dylan Walker, he was looking at the other bloke. Um, well, that was it. Corus I was a bit... sort of came in behind or on the side and just threw one. Yeah, I was a bit so. bemused when uh, Curtis Scott threw two or three, you know, squared up face-to-face and Braith and Nasta called, oh, it's a king hit. Yeah. Brayton Ass has yeah. never stood out the front of the Kent Hotel at 3am on a Tuesday morning. You don't know what a king hit is. Yeah, yeah. well, he, last time he got hit was from David Farlogo. <laughs> and him he once. got sent off. And then, no, then he got the penalty against him. And he goes, you're off your head to the referee. I got penalised. I thought he got sent with, off for getting punched. With a bleeding yeah. lip saying, now, mate, the penalty's going against you. And <laughs> yeah, then get sent off for saying you're off your head? Oh, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was a different time back then. But now, it? these two examples bring in an interesting <laughs> conversation where when you put to the match review committee, when you put to the judiciary... Do we take into account the injury of the player? So Curtis Scott's out for two weeks because he punched Dylan Walker. Dylan Walker's out for six weeks because he headbutted Curtis Scott's fist. It, it's really brought up this whole bee's nest of well, he's out. The injured player's out for longer. The the you could, could the we, punching player should have got longer. In two thousand eight, could New South Wales imply this and just go? Can someone go out there and just whack Cooper Cronk? You know, because they want to get Cameron Smith and just give him a give him a punch fracture, his cheekbone. He's out for two Origin games and then. You know, you, you sacrificial lamb. Uh, like, you know, it's, it could have worked. It could have worked. Surely, it would have. Uh, you know, maybe not for game one when you lost a player. But you know, you're. You know, if you don't have these harsh penalties against the players that are doing the hitting. Well, Billy's the last one of the big four for Origin. So <laughs> let's get Curtis Scott in the side for game one. And just uh, see what happens. He's got a not bad straight right on him. <laughs> yeah, it's very good right cross. Very it's, good. It's all nonsense. Hopefully, we won't see any more punches for. for well, that, it's funny that we're talking about it because you know, back five, six, seven years ago, we, they were happening every week, and we weren't talking about it then, but we're talking about it now because they've outlawed it. Basically, isn't it something? I I wish they'd bring it back. I like. Well, the they can't punches. bring it back. Well, they say like we know we said no more punches, but go on, boys. You've got one free one each I game. No. As long as they're looking at each other, let's get it's it. It's just on. a shame. Growing up watching footy in you know the, the mid to late nineties, early two thousands, there was some. There was some great, you know, one-on-one battles, some great blues, and yeah. it's just a shame that it's gone. But yeah, well, we've got the slapping now, haven't we? Yeah, the slapping. Yeah, we've got the slapping. All, all the jersey, uh, the, push, the jersey, yeah, punch, the jersey. Punch. Yeah, well, it's just, it's, all the choke. We've seen the choke as well. Yeah, it was yeah. that Cameron Smith, I think, put the choke on Bo Scott. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, Bo Scott put the choke on Cameron Smith. Oh, I thought it was. Oh. It was. We sent a few chokes. Blokes choking blokes. Yeah, blokes More of it. Blokes. Let's more get more of it. <laughs> now, time, time to open that sack of yours, Liam. We're running very short on time, so we want to hear... We've got... Sack was brimming. Sack was brimming. Brimming so. sack, as usual. <laughs> now, first question. Brett Crookshank, 
aforementioned uh, pointer outer of Herman SASA scoring a try. Yep. Pierce is out. We're lacking experience. Brownie is resting experience forwards. Do we bring them back in? Your Bureaus, your Heiningtons, your Lillyman. Do we bring them back in for experience? Or do we persevere with the, uh, the younger forward pack we've got moving forward? What do we think, gentlemen? Well, I think uh, Lilliman. Uh, well, Lilliman played. I did, yes. So, <laughs> damn it, Brett, Lilliman played. He's already back. Um, Heinington will come back, I would imagine, for Safiti, because um, he was rested at the weekend, getting a bit old, I know, and, and needs a bit of a rest every now and again. <laughs> every, you know, just put the ice on the knees. Well, as, he, as he said to the press conference last week, the old fella needs a rest. <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. Um, Jamie Bureau. Well, look. There's a place on the bench for Jamie Bureau, but I don't think there's a place on the bench for Jamie Bureau and Denny Levi. So if Jamie Bureau comes back, then um, I'm not sure what happens to Denny Levi. Then he goes back to reserve grade. So look, it's a it's an interesting one. I don't think at the moment the two edge back rowers have probably been the night's best in the last couple of weeks. So you wouldn't be replacing either of those. So if you bring in Jamie Bureau back, I don't think you can carry both him and Denny Levi on the bench. Especially against a team like the Sharks, you can't. I don't think you can have a small bench against the Sharks. Again, the base of their game very much on moving it up through the middle, making yards gritty, blah blah blah. You need, you need some big. You need some early. St- you need big boys. You need starch. You need big starch boys. coming off your bench and, and rolling through. You need a big bag of potatoes on the bench. <laughs> right big on. bag of starch. Marcus <laughs> James Harborn. Now Marcus asked us to, to forecast some stuff. Yeah. Who's the next big signing? And are they from the forwards or the backs? Where do we need this most? Well, like it's it's a tough one. I think as uh, as Baz was saying before, they they're definitely patiently waiting for the right player to come on to the scene. Uh, but I, I dare say, um, personally, looking at the the, I think it's from the backs. I think we're I think we're a little bit we're a little bit short outside the backs. But then I haven't seen Nick Manny or Tom Hughes, which uh, and play in first grade yet. And lots been said. I might see one side of them and think, what well, we don't need any more backs. They're they're perfect. But you know the way that injuries have, have ravaged us, I would say it's coming from the backs. But that's only after the Tim Glasby signing. Baz, what are your thoughts? Well, the good news for the Knights and your listeners is that um, I think Nick Mean will be back this week. He, oh, excellent. He um, did his ankle in the first game of the season. Hasn't been back. He's been training. I think he'll be back this week. Um, so he's a he's a guy that can play first grade, obviously. Um, he's going to take a few more weeks, I would have thought. Um, so there's a little bit of cover for someone in the outside backs. Look, they need another front row. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and they need another outside back. I they're the two positions, uh, without doubt. So it just depends on, I guess, who comes on the market. The first, you know, the first player that they want that comes on the market, they'll sign. That's it. I believe Leeson Armour <coughs> has been ruled out. Wallace has obviously been ruled out. There was another. I don't third. think Leeson hasn't been ruled out. Oh, well, he hasn't. Because oh, he'd be a great sign. I love what he's doing. He up came up here and and they they want him, but he's um, he's from Auckland. And his wife is from Auckland. Their families are over there. They want to go back there eventually. And the latest I heard on him was that um, it would hinge on whether the Warriors had the money for him. If the Warriors have got a deal for him, then he'll go back there. But if they haven't, haven't got the money, then the Knights are still a chance. Oh, I like the word chance. But they haven't heard (coughs) much from him in the last, you know... Week, few weeks. So. I, tell, I will say it's an improvement just being a chance to sign well, people. He, put it this way, he hasn't signed anywhere yet. So until, until he actually signs somewhere, then uh, the Knights are still winning with the chance because they've got an offer in for him and um, they're keen to have him here. Beauty. I well, think we need an angry fella. <laughs> it's just someone that... We need someone angry. A loose cannon. Uh, yeah, a loose cannon. Daniel Gibson asks, <laughs> is it time for Jack Johns to come into the side to play halves? What with our current injury woes in the halves? Basil, throw it. <laughs> 
Jack Johns, I think, has played maybe two, maybe three reserve grade games or New South Wales Cup games. He actually won, he actually kicked a field goal with about th- five seconds to go two weeks ago to get him a draw against Wyong. But he look, I don't think he's um, ready yet. He's it, still too young. And it, he's coming off that, that injury way. that he got yeah. in the World Cup yeah, as well. Look, he, so he, played, a... he played the first couple of games in reserve grade and then um, uh, I think the coach sort of flicked him and, and Simon Wolford at the time and he didn't get back in. And as soon as Simon left overseas and, and Rory Costation took over the team which is three weeks ago Jack Johns was back in at halfback so and he's played the last three games but I I don't think from what I've heard I haven't seen any of their games but from what I've heard I don't think he'll be a chance this week it's a, it's a shame because that's uh, we've got that question a few times throughout the season and God having the Johns name and playing for well, Newcastle well, must be such say, a poison chalice. That's not to chalice. say that he not to say that he you know may not be there if he, he continues to improve and find his feet that he may not be there down the track but Obviously, the team wants Mitchell Pearce back at some stage too, so we'll wait and see. It's a big ask, I think, for a bloke of his age, and you yeah. know, as you're saying, like coming in, just finding his way into his ISP position uh, at halfback there. So, well, he's not naturally a halfback. He <coughs> played most a, of he's a most bigger fellow, isn't five, eight. <coughs> Yeah, he's a bigger boy. He's played most of his most of his um, juniors at five eight second receiver. So, you know, I, look, it's too early. I, Jack Coggle will come back in. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and they'll have to sort out the kicking in general play which was probably the reason why Jack was knocked back in, in, in the first place to reserve grade because their general play kicking and they didn't have a goal kicker, which is going to be an issue this week again. But Kenny will have to step up. So we'll have to get our kicking coach, Tukey, back for, uh, <laughs> for the T- time being. Mark Tukey, you know, he's been the, uh, the, the goal kicking coach for the uh, the Newcastle Knights. Are you aware of this? No. He does it by correspondence. It's just exclusive. It's, yeah, it's, he, uh, <laughs> he calls up and, you know, he gets some solid advice. Never kicked a goal himself. No. No, no, but he... Uh, but yeah, He so watched he, a lot of people he, kick he goals. He saw a lot of people yeah. kick goals in his career, so he's, uh, he's quite the athlete, Mark Tukey. Now, <laughs> last question for the night, guys. This is one from uh, Go Nards. I think I've got the pronunciation. That's uh, right. Tim Nardelli. Tim Nardelli. Tim Nardelli is a, is a good friend right. of the show. Yeah. Okay. Now, one word answer, gentlemen. Is Ponga the best signing of any century in any sporting code across the world? I say yes, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I, I say if the season was eleven games long, yes, it's und- undeniably. Barry. <laughs> No. <laughs> so it's a yes for everyone. Ponga signing of the century. <laughs> I, only, nah. I only said no because you blokes said yes. But yeah, look, Beckle. We're at, we are 11 games in. Let's um, give it a little bit of time. Absolutely. That's Restraint crossed. is not one of our strong suits. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> no. Thank you very much for joining me again, Liam. Thank you very much, Barry Tui. Thank you very much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, we'll see you all again next week, Justice. Please find us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, all the pipes, Slam, you know the rest. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter Instagram. And also, Instagram, but also be remembered to uh, to to read up on uh, to his news as well. Is that, yes, yeah. to his news. <laughs> mm. Saturday in the Newcastle Herald. Matter of fact, I've got one now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, VB. Uh, wrong what? beer. No, it's not. <laughs> Isn't it to his news? Matter of fact, I've got, got one now. now? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is too. No, it is. Uh, Whoops. Yeah. We're ruined. We can take <laughs> how that. Do you, how do you feel, mate? Yeah, how, how do you feel? feel? I feel like a two-ease two or two. Saturday in the Herald. You wouldn't miss it. It's, a great, it's the best article. Thank you very much, Baz. Thank you very much, Liam. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's a bit of a slow start of the song. I thought it was music. <laughs> That's a great track. <laughs> oh, Barry. Thanks, guys. <laughs>